and welcome to another episode of the Arte Labore podcast, a Blackburn Rovers podcast from the Lancashire Telegraph. Another win for Blackburn Rovers makes it back-to-back for the first time in the Championship this season, beating Cardiff City 1-0 at Ewood Park. Delighted to have Ryan Hildred, as usual, joining me to go through the events. Ryan, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Elliot. I am delighted to be back. So it's good to get the football back, isn't it? As much as I enjoyed watching England, to be fair, but uh, Rovers is where it's really at, isn't it? And great to be back and, and great to have the back-to-back wins, as you say. So we're all good. We are all good here. Yeah, just the one game for us to go through. A bit more of a quicker episode this week with quick turnaround. We've got a press conference this afternoon, off to Millwall tomorrow. So just the one game to look forward look to. And obviously we'll preview two big games coming up for Rovers this week in the Championship. But of course, a 1-0 win at Ewood, a second consecutive win and a second consecutive clean sheet for Rovers. Um, it wasn't a great game overall, Ryan, in, in my view. It was quite a scrappy game. It was... There was a lot of ring rust from the international break, a lot of misplaced passes. There was a lot of endeavour, a lot of good heart, great, all those intangible qualities that you do need to win championship games. But in terms of quality, I felt both teams turned the ball over really cheaply at times, particularly in the sort of final third where that, that last pass was really missing. The goal pretty much came from the one bit of quality attacking play from either side with uh, Dolan's great ball, but we'll come on to that. Not an easy team, I have to say, to play against Cardiff. I didn't think they offered anything going forward, particularly in the first half. But they came to play, I wouldn't say they came for a point, but they were quite happy to sit deep, very narrow, very structured. And with Rovers not having a focal point, I felt at times they missed someone just to occupy the centre-backs. And that's not a slight on Tyrese Dolan, but it was playing up against two six-foot-five centre-backs. And it can be difficult. It, It works some occasions where... You think back to the Norwich away game where it was up against um, Hanley and, and uh, Gibson, who were too big for centre-arse, but he was able to press them and he was able to hound them. Cardiff didn't want the ball, so therefore you're missing someone just to occupy, just to mark the defenders, as daft as that sounds. So they, they didn't create a lot of goal-scoring opportunities. Um, and then at the other end, Cardiff had not really threatened all game, but the big controversial moment in the game is, of course, the offside goal from Gutas. Corner comes in. Bullet header into the back of the net. There's nobody appealing really in a Rovers shirt for any sort of decision, but the referee and the linesman somehow get to the decision that Carlin Grant is offside. Now, by the letter of the law, it's the correct decision. He's stood in front of the goalkeeper, Leopold Walstead, is in his eye line, his line of vision. I think it's incredibly harsh, and I do think Rovers got away with one because I think the speed of which the header goes in, there isn't. No, you're allowed to be offside, aren't you, as an attacker? It's whether you deem he interfered with play. And for me, there's no way he interferes with play. Walstead's not getting it anyway. He's not like directly stood in front of him. I can, I, it doesn't quite travel in that sort of eye line. So, so for me, I think they got away with one. Now, don't get me wrong. Rovers have been on the wrong end of plenty of decisions this, uh, this season and last particularly. So these things sometimes even themselves out. It's not a phrase I particularly like because that doesn't always happen. And these decisions do define games. But... Rovers have probably earned a bit of fortune, is what I'm trying to say, with um, some of their performances that haven't yielded results. Now, make no mistake, they absolutely deserve to win this game. But, and and I spoke to Dom Hyam about this after the game and asked him what his thoughts were. And he said he thought Rovers got away with one, to be honest. And that's kind of how I feel with the offside goal. But they took advantage and obviously still still deserved the win. But yeah, I think there was a touch of fortune with that Gutas header that was ruled out. 
Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, the game, you know, you get these in the season, don't you, in the championship, particularly those three game weeks. You get those really stodgy affairs, as as you called it. Um, and we were only reflecting on the Coventry game uh, a few weeks ago where we came out the wrong side of a 1-0. So for Rovers to take part in a stodgy game, not many chances. Certainly, we, we just had the one on target, which has been the goal. To come out the right side of a 1-0 win is quite pleasing, actually. And as you say, after the international break, keeps the momentum going. And I've spoken about the importance of home games as well. Winning your home games sets up the away games. So we can go to Millwall now knowing that we're back in the pack a little bit. You know, it's not looking as bad as it might have been a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, we can go down there with confidence. So first and foremost, really important to get the win in the manner that we did. On the offside, um, I've never seen anything given like that before, actually. Uh, mm. I was quite confused. Uh, I didn't know if the, the linesman at first was signalling that the ball had gone out, like whipped out of play. Or, I have or to say, like sat in the press, I had no idea why it had been ruled mm. out until I got sent a replay where it was clearly because of the offside. But I had absolute live. There didn't look to be an infringement. like Because you're thinking, oh, has someone fouled someone in the middle? But the way Gutas sort of comes through the pack and heads it quite cleanly and unchallenged, I, I, I have to say it took about 10 minutes before I worked out why it had actually been ruled out. Yeah, so it feels like Rovers have got lucky, but you're absolutely right. You know, we've had our fair share of those decisions. So I will take that as it comes. And what I'll say, actually, I think Bullet has been quite generous. We were chatting about this just before we started recording. He has just said, I think it's the right decision. It's just strange how they got there. So fair play to him for kind of taking that one on the chin. But I would be fuming if I was a Rovers fan, because I think you're right. It's about the interference. It's a bullet header. It ain't being saved. And I think the the uh, you know modern day football has tried to modernize and tried to do things with all of these different bits and bobs whether it's VAR whether it's a complicated handball rule or whatever this interfering with play one feels like one they could look at because yeah that for me is is a goal that shouldn't have been ruled out but I'll take it I'm smiling yeah absolutely if it was for, if it was on the shoe was on the other foot with Rose I think we'd be quite annoyed and frustrated about that one. Um, in fairness, Jon Dahl-Thompson said pretty much the same about the Mooring goal that got ruled out at Coventry. I'm not sure how they've got there, but I think it's just about the right decision. So I, I think, yeah, I think Bullet's been quite uh, generous with, with that appraisal. But Rovers did deserve to win the game, so let's not get away from that. They were the team trying to make things happen. They were the ones trying to force the issue, create the openings, get in front. They had plenty of possession to do so. And to me, particularly in the first half, it felt that if they were going to create anything, it was going to be down that right-hand side with the combinations of Joe Rankin-Costello in that right number eight role and Callum Britton, who was playing more advanced in uh, in a right wing role as he did in the second half at QPR and did so well. So it was a little surprise that it was JRC that made that run beyond. And when you're playing against a set defence like Cardiff were and a team that wants to be structured, rigid, not going to take many risks, you need players to run beyond. And I think a lot of the time, it went a bit under the radar, JRC made a lot of those good runs beyond and you need unselfish runners like that. And he didn't get the ball. And so people don't pick up on it. But you've got to keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And he nearly scored in the first half with a good um, bit cross from Callum Britton, which is he diverted just wide. And then he's the one making the break in behind Mark McGuinness. It's a really good assist from Tyrese Dolan. Great control. Great through ball. It was probably the one piece of quality from an attacking standpoint in the game. Brilliant from Dolan to unlock the defence. And... JRC funders it home for his first goal of the season. Yeah, we've spoken about JRC a lot, particularly last season, haven't we? Uh, when he made that breakthrough at, at right back, the attacking right back, the seven chances away at Huddersfield or whatever it was, 
you know, he has played the majority of his career as an attacker. So he just seems to have that nous, you know, that attacker's nous to make the run, do the thing. And and I think that came to play uh, on Saturday with with that type of run. He spotted the space that was been uh, was in behind, made the run for Dolan and and a great assistant and pass from Dolan to be fair. So it's great that we can get Britain ranking Costello and now James Hill in that side. It looks really strong for us. It looks dynamic. It looks fluid and, and obviously above anything looks solid with James Hill there. So um, that was always going to be a bit of a question mark for us, wasn't it? About how do we fit JRC into this side? What is his role? And I'll tell you what, based on the last two victories that we've had, you know, he is stamping uh, a place in that central midfield, isn't he? Particularly scored, without that central striker there. Scored a hat trick mm. against Accrington Stanley in midweek in a behind closed door game from central midfield mm. as well. It does just offer them more of a golf, more of a box threat. He's someone that will crash the box perhaps a little bit more than some of the other players that have played in that sort of right sided role. Yeah. And I think with this system and formation that we play, I think when we saw JRC first break into the side, I think where he struggled was where he was coming up against the physicality because he's not necessarily got the pace or the skill to beat someone one on one. So I think he was being found out a little bit. In this formation, he just seems a little bit protected because he's got Britain going down one side, because he's not got those defenders up his backside. The stuff he spoke about with you last season where from yeah, that right-back position, yeah, the right-back position, he wasn't getting the pressure. He seems to have just found that little pocket now as well in central midfield in these last two games. So it's really great to see. And um, as you say, without a striker, that is well documented. Without us buying one of note, uh, to be fair to Talalovic, uh, we need players like JRC to use that attacking Nelson contribute. So brilliant, a great goal. And, and let's just shout out to Ty Dolan because in a game that's nil-nil, to chest that down first and foremost in the way that he did. And then he could have easily just hit that first time, but he just takes that little delay, chests it, allows it, yeah, the little pause, allows the ball to rest, and then he threads it through. Brilliant from Dolan because he's had, you know, he's had some stick, he's had some critics, but... That's what we want to see from him. You know, contribution, a goal contribution and assist. I thought it was great from Dolan, that assist. Yeah, it was a ma- it was a match-winning moment from Tyrese. Really good ball through. Um, and as I say, there were opportunities for Rovers to double that lead. Another chance for Ranking Costello, who sort of pounced on a loose ball. Thought he took a little bit too long to get his shot away. Sort of a little bit hesitant. Um, and it's a fantastic last-ditch tackle from Perry and G, to be fair, on the cover. But Cardiff did have a couple of opportunities. Callum Robinson dragged one just wide in the penalty area. And then probably the biggest moment of Leopold Wallstead's Blackburn Rovers career, a brilliant save from inside the area. Oli Tanu was probably Cardiff's liveliest player, despite coming on as a substitute. Sort of shifts half a yard, smashes it across goal. It's a really powerful strike. And Wallstead just flings to his right. Brilliant hand to turn it around the post. And for all the relaxed playing out from the back, all of the decent punches. This was the moment where, you you know, goalkeepers can win you points. And it felt like Walstead did earn Rovers two points with that contribution, as Dolan and JRC did at the other end of the pitch. And a good sign for a goalkeeper is always when you don't have a lot to do, and he didn't have a lot to do throughout the 90 minutes. And then, what, it was the 78th minute, I think. He turns up, pulls off a brilliant save and... That's a really big moment, and I absolutely love that he celebrated it as well. He celebrates it like he's just bullet-headed one into the back of the net in the 90th minute. And it was a big moment, you know. This is a young lad who's 24, only making his uh, third championship start, fourth championship appearance. He's coming as number two. This is his big opportunity, because if he plays well, he can keep the shirt when Ainsley Pears is fit. 
You know, we've seen with Thomason that he tends to just trust whoever's whoever's played well, keeps the shirt. It doesn't really reflect on names. You know, Adam Wharton didn't come, didn't even come on at the weekend. Um, Tronstad kept his place. We saw Pears keep his place when Kaminsky was fit again in March. So this is a really big moment for him in his career. So to pull off a save like that, I thought that was a, a really important moment for him and for Rovers in the context of getting the three points. Yeah, it was. And I just love keepers with personality because, yeah, you're right. The celebration was fantastic. And um, that could be the moment, as you say, that could be the the proper birth of, of Leo Walshtet for, for Rovers. Um, Oli Tanner, to be fair, whenever I've seen him play for, for Cardiff, I think he looks a talent. He looks a player and he's hit that ball as well. You know, that's not a roll into the corner. That's an absolute arrow going right into that corner. So it's a fantastic save from, from Walshtet. And and that's what we need, you know, when you are going to be uh, 1-0 up in a stodgy game. Um, they're the moments that you can turn three into one. So it's a brilliant save, the celebration to boot as well. And and I've seen already some of the media stuff that JDT's been doing. That's the moment where you can really show that support for your goalkeeper, can't you? By maybe going over the top a little bit with the plaudits and and all of that. And that's going to do Walshtet's confidence no harm at all. So, yeah, really important moment. That you touched on that just, just to come in because... He doesn't really do that a lot because we'll ask him about individual players and he, he sort of was very reluctant to go big on an individual and, and even when they've played well. He'll give you a little bit, but he's not one of these managers that you sort of set them up a little bit to give you know praise the player and, and give you a bit of a line. He doesn't really do it. He likes to make sure it's all about the collective. But he did go a little bit on Wallstead without really being pushed on it. He sort of brought it up himself as he was sort of doing his review of the game he'd said you know really big save from from Leo that that was a, a really important moment and I think that's interesting that, that of how he pointed that out because he did actually do that at the weekend which is not something we always get from him I think it's really clever because I think he knows uh particularly with Pears injured at the moment he's got to keep Walshtet confident if Pears was there and he knows he's got Pears as the backup maybe he won't go as big but he's got to protect Walshtet during this period whilst Pears is injured so I think it's really clever. I think it's really intelligent. And as you say, young lad coming into a foreign country uh, <laughs> to the northwest of England, et cetera, et cetera. You know, this is tough for young people to deal with. So um, brilliant for uh, for JDT to get behind him like that. And yeah, what a save it was. And I just, as I say, I just love keepers with personality. Pickford, Ramsdale, you know, those types of keepers. I love them. It's great. Yeah, I, I love seeing him celebrate. I have to say it was, it was a really good moment for him. Rovers have been so much better defensively in the in the last few games. Obviously, they've got back-to-back clean sheets. They've conceded one in three, um, having conceded 11 in the previous three championship games before that. And, you know, when you look at reasons, they, they've added players with more defensive mindsets in. James Hill's obviously come in and done really well. I thought he was rock solid again on Saturday. He adds height as well, which they've lost a little bit with Gallagher being out, which is something that people don't really think about probably, and us in the media probably don't, but... Jon sort of made a point about it again after the match. You've got Tronstad, who I thought was excellent, particularly first half. He's come in and he's more defensive-minded than Adam Wharton. That's a fact. So you've gone from playing a, a proper, you know, a more traditional right-back like JRC or Britain, whoever. They are more offensive than James Hill. That is a fact. So you're almost adding another defender in in that sense as well because he sits back in the build-up play. It's him making the back three with Pickering now going into midfield in the 3-2-5 build-up. And then you've also got Tronstad, who is more defensive-minded than Adam. Adam's obviously a lot more talented on the ball, although Tronstad, I thought, played some really nice line-breaking passes from deep. Um, but that's definitely had an, had made an impact. And, and you know, Thomason's continually peddled this theory that 
they haven't been open and that it's been individual errors. And it has been individual errors in some sense, but it's not a coincidence that he's added two more defensive players into the into the team and suddenly they look a lot more solid in transition. They look a lot more structured in sort of that back five. And then the front five, go and do whatever the hell you want. You know, we saw a lot of JRC playing right wing and Callum Britton coming into midfield at times. There's that fluidity and rotation, but I think you do need that structure behind and having James Hill as the third player sitting back in build-up rather than Pickering, for example, and having Pickering then go into midfield, I do think it's made a difference. I think Tronstad's made a difference, definitely. And it's interesting to me where you get Adam Wharton back into the team because I, I think defensively and in terms of the alchemy and chemistry of the team, I think they look better with someone who's a natural holding midfielder like Tronstad. But then where do you put Adam in? Does he come in? Well, JLC's pretty much got that right centre midfield roll down, locked down. You're not going to take Sam Smodix out of the team. So it's good to have these these dilemmas and then you've got Lewis Travis as well to consider. So there's there's real options in that central midfield. And I just find that the the alchemy and the way that things have progressed in the last two weeks and the results that followed, I find it very fascinating. It is fascinating. And uh, I think you're right as well. It's not a coincidence either. And I think JDT, if he was being honest with himself, would would admit that. But, you know, we've grown and loved the chaotic formation, as Michael Carrick called it earlier on this season. And it's it's been great to watch at times this season. But with those four defeats on the spin, we had to do something. We had to make the little tweak. And, and as you say, no coincidence. James Hill looks fantastic. Uh, I've got to confess, did not know much about him um, when we signed him. Uh, but I just had confidence that, you know, he was a young loan player that the recruitment department had done their due diligence on. And he absolutely looks a, a great athlete, someone who can really contribute eventually going forward, I think, as well. I think he can get up and down that wing if we needed him to, but we don't need him to at the moment with the aforementioned That's the difficulty, isn't it, when you play sort of a centre-back, and he is naturally a centre-back at full-back, you worry about, mm. yes, you've got an extra defender, and I don't, I don't like playing centre-backs at full-back generally, but it is working in the system because of the way that they play in build-up and it becomes basically a back three. He has got the athleticism, though, as well, to deal with the, the tricky wingers or to get up and down the flank. He has, yeah, and we've seen it with, um, I think, the standout cases, Sheffield United, obviously, when they used to overload people like O'Connell and, and Basham and, and mm. people like that in their promotion season. So it can be done at this level, and I think Hill could absolutely do it if we needed to. But, um, yeah, uh, first and foremost, yeah, I've been really impressed Central midfield, I mean, when you look on paper at the formation now, it just looks more solid for us, doesn't it? Where you've got Tronstad sat at that base and then that back four. That just feels like something teams are going to have to work hard to break down rather than when you've got JRC at right back. Is there a little loophole there for teams? So I think it just on paper looks really solid. Delighted for Tronstad, as is my son, because he loves Tronstad for some reason. When we signed him, he just was all over Tronstad. So it's great to see him come in and make an impact. And the thing about Adam Wharton, what I'll say, I think last season when he really broke through, if you want to call it that, he was doing everything in central midfield. And, and that game against Burnley at home, for example, just the confidence that he had on the ball and the risks that he was taking. I don't know if JDT's had a word of him this season just to tone that down a little bit because I don't think we've seen as much of that. And as you say, he has been at the base of the uh, the midfield as well in that kind of CDM position, if you want to call it. I do think there is still a role for Adam Wharton in a midfield with Tronstad at the base because Adam Wharton is good enough to take and receive that ball like he was doing last season within those tighter areas where he might be being pressed as a centre mid rather than a central defensive mid. So 
I would be getting Adam Wharton in that central midfield along uh, just in front of Lewis Travis uh, and um, Sandra Tronstad, sorry. And I think he's good enough to cope with that. So it'd be really interesting to see if we do see a, a Tronstad, Wharton, Smodic type formation or, or combination. But we do need Adam back. And it was great actually to get the victory without Travis and without Wharton because all of a sudden, and We've also, I thought Sigurdsson and Smodics were two of probably the quieter players on the day. Mm. So for them to not have an impact as well and get the three points. That's it. And players will come and go through the season. It's a long old slog and, um, you know, plenty of games. And there'll be some games, as you say, where players are off it. So to have the options, to have the combinations is is great for us. So, um, yeah, Wharton is an interesting one. I want to see him back sooner rather than later because... That's two games now, isn't it, that we've not had him in the... He missed, uh, one, he missed the game with QPR with a groin injury, but yeah, he was available and could have played, but didn't even come off mm. the bench at the weekend. But I suppose it wasn't the type of game for him when you're winning 1-0. That's so we it. shouldn't read too much into that. But yeah, I, I would like to see him play a little bit further forward. Do you think the goal he scored against Birmingham last year, he's he's probably the most press-resistant player Rovers have got, but use him a bit higher at the pitch. There's not, I, don't, I don't see why he couldn't do that. I do wonder whether... A switch to four two three one at times, but then you don't get the wide overloads. But if you're going to play, I think there definitely could be a Tronstad, Wharton sort of double pivot with Wharton getting forward a little bit more when they've got the ball, and then Smodix, of course. But then we've just been waxing lyrical about JRC, and he's not in that <laughs> midfield. Then so it's it's difficult to balance. But I, I would like to see Adam and Tronstad at some point for certain opposition because I think you've got the quality of Adam on the ball, the fact that he can wriggle past players, the fact he is press resistant, but then a little bit more defensive now, so I think with Tronstad. And I think, uh, if I think about some of the goals that we've scored over the last couple of years, you think that run from Sammy Smodic away at QPR, Sigurdsson's away at Ipswich, those little cute movements and runs. Uh, Smodic's goal away at Hull, which was assisted by Adam Wharton. Mm-hmm. Adam Wharton can find those passes, and I just wonder whether someone like Arna Sigurdsson would really benefit from someone like Adam Wharton a bit further advanced, because... We've spoken about Sigurdsson's movement before, particularly in that six-yard box. just strikes me that there might be a little inside run from Sigurdsson that Wharton could spot quite regularly. So I'd love to see it. Sigurdsson uh, just making that run. Wharton a bit more advanced and also Smodic benefiting from that as well. I think it's something I want to see. Yeah, me too. Interesting. Obviously, they are now back in action on Tuesday evening. They go to Millwall. It's always a tough place to go, but Millwall haven't been firing on all cylinders this season. Gary Rowett's just left the club, just shy of four-year anniversary. He left on Wednesday night, which is quite weird timing coming to the back end of a, an international break. Adam Barrett is in temporary charge. There's a, a comprehensive recruitment process going on, so Barrett will definitely be the person in the dugout. Might be for a couple of weeks, to be honest, by the way it sounds that things might go. Good memories from last year, obviously coming from behind on the final day to win 4-3. I think they've got to go there and not lose is kind of what I'm I'm feeling because... I just want them to build this momentum a little bit. If you look at the championship table, there's two points between 17th and 9th, with Rovers pretty much bang smack in the middle of that. And then there's only two points from ninth to uh, from 13th to 6th. So if Rovers can build some momentum, you know, if they could get four points from this week as a minimum, that would really help propel them back towards that top 10 because it doesn't take a lot. You know, Rovers were 20th before the QPR game. They've won two games and they're now 14th, 13th. So they're right back in and amongst it. And it's so stodgy and packed in that middle area that not losing games and just picking up points could actually be quite valuable. Yeah, 15th Rovers. It's very tight, as you say, though. So, um, But yeah, I think there's an opportunity with Millwall here, Elliot, because um, it was a strange sacking, really strange when it happened, because 
I wouldn't say I sit there and, and look at Millwall and think, oh my God, what are Millwall doing this season? Millwall are in crisis, etc. So it's a really bizarre sacking. And I think when teams are playing bad and then they sack the manager, you get that caretaker manager bounce. And I don't necessarily think that Millwall are, are kind of going to be in that position because I think it was a bit of a shock to lose a manager in that way. I don't think they were playing that badly. And now they find themselves in this limbo land before the permanent new manager comes in after that recruitment, as you say. So for me, there is a real opportunity on Tuesday to go and take advantage of that situation, maybe take advantage of a wobbly crowd who are thinking, who next, who's coming, why has Rowett been sacked? And I think there's an opportunity for us to go and stamp our authority there. And you're right, four points would be uh, a great week to set up the Swansea game on Saturday. But I'm actually looking at this one that Rovers should really go and target a victory in because I think there is that opportunity to to go and take advantage of the situation Millwall find themselves in. Yeah, they, I don't think they need to be scared or too concerned going to Millwall. Yes, the atmosphere is always quite raucous, but I think it's probably one of the better times to play away at Millwall. Um, in terms of the team, I suppose it depends on who might have a couple of little niggles, who might need freshening up, but I think it'll be a pretty much same eleven to be honest. I think we're more likely to see changes possibly against Swansea. Um, Harry Leonard might come back into the squad Moran might be available potentially, um, or it might be a bit too soon for him. He might be back for Swansea. As I say, we've got a press conference later this afternoon as we record at uh, about nine o'clock on Monday morning. So I think the team will be relatively similar. Say Leonard will come back into the squad probably. Moran maybe. Scott Water maybe. Um, having missed out with two, uh, with a small, with a tight hamstring. It was great to see Tom Aitchinson on the bench. Actually, we probably should have touched on that first time. He's been in a championship match day squad, 17 years old, come through the academy. He was going to be on the bench regardless. And then it was Pat Gamble, actually, that was called up, who has been on the bench before, which is interesting. Um, he was the one, he was he was the one that came in for Scott Wharton, who came in sort of Friday night, Saturday morning, and reported a little bit of soreness in his hamstring. Of course, the Rovers then have Swansea at home at Ewood. Um, they're in decent form despite Leicester beating them 3-1 at the weekend. They've got Watford at home in midweek, so that could be a good game for Swansea to get back on the horse as well. But I, I, I do look at Swansea and think, although their recent form's been bet, much better under Michael Duff and they look like they're settling in now, it's another team like Cardiff that if you want to be in the top 10, you've kind of got to beat at home. Yeah, that's how I view it as well. And, and that's not disrespecting Swansea. It's just you have fixtures in the season that you target your victories in your home games. And, and that's one of them. And I'm sure Swansea would feel the same about Rovers rocking up at their place. So uh, that's just the way that the championship goes. Uh, you're right. They, they are starting to bed in. Obviously, they've come up against a really good Leicester side, as we found out. So uh, I'm not reading too much into losing to Leicester because most Funnily of the enough, Swansea were the first team to go ahead against Leicester since the 2nd of September when they went 1-0 up. Yeah. So, That's just so chilling, they, it? <laughs> yeah, it's bonkers. So, yeah, let's not view that one. Um, so, yeah, let's see how they do against Watford. But I think Swansea will come up, maybe impose themselves a little bit more than Cardiff. Yeah, um, they're going to want the ball a little bit more than Cardiff. And maybe there'll be a time and a place for our more chaotic formation against Swansea because... Swansea are going to want to come and play and want to hurt us and want to attack us. So I do wonder if that might be the game for Adam Wharton in that advanced position that we were just talking about. Yeah, definitely. I think you're absolutely right. In terms of Swansea, are going to be a lot more proactive to try and win the game. Um, they'll also probably be a lot more open at the back. So it might be a, could be a two-all job, that one, or, or certainly. I'm expecting a bit more of a, an action-packed game than we had at the weekend. Right, let's get some predictions down. Ryan, what are you going for for Rovers this week, starting at, at Millwall? 
Millwall, I fancy Rovers for a 2-1 victory. Um, I don't know why. I'm just It just felt strange, the sacking of Rowett, and I don't sense relief in the fan base that Rowett's gone or anything like that. And I just think it's just it'll be a bit of a weird time for Millwall until they make that permanent manager recruitment. And I'm just spotting an opportunity for Rovers just to outthink them, really. You know, JDT against a caretaker manager. I think JDT can get the business done there. So I'm going to say 2-1 Rovers. And for Swansea? For Swansea now, this makes me conflicted, doesn't it? Because I say that teams don't win three games in a week very often. And I don't they think Rovers, Rovers have done it before. Yeah, we have. So do I go bold? Do I be confident? Maybe Swansea will peg us back. I'm going to say 1-1 one, one for that one. I just, I, it's superstitious fan, Elliot. I can't predict <laughs> us to win three in a week. <laughs> I don't think they'll win three in a week either, but I think it'll be the other way around. I think they'll draw one all at Millwall. I think Millwall will be quite, as I say, they're in a bit of a transitional place, but it's not that easy to go and win at the Den. Rovers haven't got that much firepower. I could see it being a one-all game, but I think they'll beat Swansea at home. I'm going to go for them to beat Swansea 2-1 at Ewood and a one-all draw at the Den. And that brings this episode of Arte Labore to an end. Thank you very much for listening. Make sure you subscribe in your podcast app of choice and make sure to follow the Lancashire Telegraph at Blackburn Rovers and check out the site for the most comprehensive Blackburn Rovers coverage this season, you can subscribe to Lancashire Telegraph to support local journalism. You'll get a better reading experience with fewer ads, some subscriber-only content and plenty more perks. If you go to lancashiretelegraph.co.uk forward slash subscribe, you can currently get five months for £5 or an annual subscription at £35. So make sure you go and take advantage of that flash sale if you can. Um, thank you for listening. Thanks to Ryan as always. And we'll catch you again next week for another episode of Arte Labore.